good day, everybody. Welcome to all our uh, listeners out there. This is podcast number eight, and today we've got a real special guest. Uh, Kevin Nagoya is with me, but we also have uh, Sergeant Ryan Howish from the RCMP. And uh, we want to talk about uh, crime. Last night we had our public uh, forum uh, talking about crime, but we also want to you know, learn about uh, how do you become a RCMP officer, what is involved. We want to sort of educate everybody on, on the process from uh, the municipality side. Uh, once a municipality decides to fund a policeman uh, or two, uh, the process. Uh, so we're going to have Kevin, uh, the CAO, sort of talk about that. And uh, and then going to a depot, recruiting, uh, how hard it is to recruit uh, officers now in, in the RCMP. And then and leading up to uh, getting posted, uh, whether it's your first detachment and all that. So kind of want to do a one-on-one. But uh, Ryan, welcome to our podcast. Uh, great to have you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, yeah, Ryan, for those that don't know, been in the community, what, for eight years? Eight years. Yeah. And before Coal Lake, where were you? Uh, I started in 2001 in uh, Slave Lake. Uh, I did some work around that area, did some extra work up in Wabasca. I moved to Boyle after that, and in uh, then after that, I came to uh, Cold Lake. So now you're moving further south. This is the, the banana belt compared to those two Yes, places. I started in the west, and I'm moving east, nice, as far nice. as I'm going. So where did you grow up? Where are we from? I'm from Edmonton. Okay. And then- is that far as you're going south and as far as you're going west or east? This is okay. where I'm staying. Right on, right on. Good man. Yeah. <laughs> and well, Ryan, you're an avid fisherman. We know that. Yes. And uh, you do hunt, right? Yeah. So uh, is um, you know, let's talk about uh, being posted here in Coal Lake. Is it uh, the outdoors that uh, raising your family here uh, is the attraction? Absolutely. Um, everywhere I kind of went, uh, there was near a lake yeah. or lakes. Uh, it's a big part of my life and it's a big part of like my family's life now. Uh, Cold Lake had everything we needed. Uh, it was a bigger center. We were kind of uh, in small communities for a while and my kids had, they had uh, aspirations of playing music and playing sports and uh, Cold Lake had all of that opportunity for us uh, as well. The lake, the hunting, the fishing, which which is definitely high on our list. Um, they also had uh, uh, wanted to go to a francophone school. We had put them on a bus when they were way too young to be on a bus by themselves to go all the way to Plamondon from Boyle. Uh, mm. And they really loved that program. We liked it. And it was nice that Cold Lake had the, the Francophone program here. Mm. So that we, cool voyager. Yeah, we, we love the community. Um, we thought it was going to be a five-year post and we were going to go someplace else. Uh, but for us now, I, I don't, I can't see any place better that, or that I'd like to be. So. Yeah. For those that don't know, Cold Lake's got a great Francophone school and uh, I think well over a hundred uh, students are in there. Yes. And uh, with the military base, uh, we have a lot of French-speaking uh, families that come to Cold Lake. So it's been a real blessing. And of course, uh, other people have taken advantage of it. Great school over there. They go from kindergarten right up to grade 12. Yes. The the graduating classes are usually w- one to three in the last few years there. So, uh, uh, but they want to stick it out. I gave them the option of doing something else and they're very happy there. So Yeah. And your kids are great athletes. Yes, they are. They are definitely, both of them are good. Yeah. yeah good soccer players. Oh, yeah. Man, oh man. A lot of energy. So uh, obviously you like to fish. Uh, I, I've seen some pictures of you. Uh, now, are you Photoshopping those pictures or are you really catching them? My wife is a graphic designer, but I can say that she has nothing. <laughs> to do with those yeah those pictures there yeah it, and you go into saskatchewan and go fishing yeah i go all over the place yeah. I, I fish in a lot of alberta lakes as well do a lot of the members that come to coal lake do they do you find that the the outdoors is kind of the attraction for some of them or they 
the ones that um, choose to come to Cold Lake, the the experienced members coming from uh, other detachments that choose to want to stay in general duty policing, uh, definitely uh, recognize the opportunities that Cold Lake has. Uh, the ones that come right from depot, uh, usually they have absolutely no choice of where they're going. Uh, some of them, you know what I mean, have never been on a gravel road before. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. So let's talk about uh, the staff staffing over at uh, Colet Car CMP. So what is the staffing complement uh, 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 that that you you look after? Uh, so my boss, uh, Staff Sergeant Buchanan, uh, we have he's the Staff Sergeant in charge of the detachment. Uh, then I, it comes me. I'm the sergeant. I'm the operations sergeant. So I'm in charge of I always say like the boots on the ground, the actual police work that goes on in our community. Uh, and then we have three watches, and each one of those watches is comprised of a, the leader is a, is a corporal, uh, and usually about four or five members underneath that 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 member the the corporal there. Uh, we also have a uh, GIS section. That's a general investigation section. We have the, the plain clothes unit. They do more major uh, crime investigations, uh, some drug work, uh, and, and they step up uh, when there's any kind of a major incident that happens. Uh, and then on top of that, we have our, of course, our police dog service. So, uh, yes, one uh, dog handler and a dog there. Uh, we have three victim services employees working in the detachment, as well as nine uh, administrative support positions. Um, and they are both uh, public servants and municipal employees. Yeah, let's, uh, Kevin, let's talk about for the municipality. What is it that we fund uh, at the Collect Detachment, uh, city Collect taxpayers anyways? Well, the, the city funds, uh, uh, so when you look at underneath the RCMP envelope, um, there's the provincial contract and then there's the uh, the municipal contract. So uh, amount of RCMPs uh, that are in the uh, provincial contract, I think it's 12, I think is the is the number. And then uh, 16 on the municipal side plus one of the uh, uh, is the police dog program, which is fully funded by the city and uh, implemented a couple of years ago. And then of the admin assistance, uh, there's a there's a pool of federal uh, federal employees and municipal employees in the MD of Bonneville provides uh, one of those municipal employees as well through the city of Cold Lake. Yeah, last night at the forum, uh, the Reeve talked about this, uh, the new positions that are coming forward that they're financing. Where do you, where do you see them fitting and where, what will their role be once they arrive? So you're uh, talking about the ID 349 yeah, uh, Lakeland Crime Reduction Unit? Right. Uh, yeah, so the Crime Reduction Unit is specifically that. They're not uh, answering calls or, or, or going to break and enters or anything. What they do is they specifically um, try to reduce crime in our area. So there's a... You know, long-standing uh, understanding that uh, a small amount of people are responsible for a large portion of the crime that happens in our area. So when you're looking to reduce crime, it just makes sense to focus your energy on that handful of people. Um, the collect detachment, the general duty people, they're they're busy, and and a lot of times we call it being a slave to the radio. So they're going from call to call to call, and they don't often have an opportunity to focus their energy on on uh, just those individuals that are causing us all kinds of problems. So that crime reduction unit is just going to do that. So by giving them the freedom to do that, um, um, we, we it's, it's been well documented that uh, um, it, it will reduce crime in our area. And interesting about that, I mean. Uh that's going to be three positions, and and you're going to be now able, uh, if you're a junior rank, uh, to to apply for those positions, right? It helps kind of um, advance uh, the members, keep them interested in the job, and do something uh, uh, diff- very different. Yes, the 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 crime reduction uh, guys and girls are definitely a. Uh, 
they have to have some good experience. They have to be uh, uh, decisive, uh, have a good understanding of legislation because um, it, their job can get kind of hairy pretty quick. It's not something that a junior member would want to do. Uh, and we recognize that we need the, the people there that are confident in what they're they're able to do uh, and that they follow their, their policies and laws, right? So, are they undercover? Or like, do they... No, nope, they're, they're going to be over... Some crime reduction units are uh, covert units, uh, but we find uh, in our area with the Eastern Alberta District Crime Reduction Unit, that's this uh, Sergeant uh, Morton who was there last night, is their leader. Um, they are very overt, which means they're driving regular uh, marked police cars and they're wearing RCMP uniforms. It helps us because it's presence in the community too as well, right? I think this is a, an exciting you know, opportunity, right? So first of all, a couple of years ago, the city of Cold Lake uh, um, was successful in, in trying to get a, uh, and, and convince the uh, the province and the federal government for the uh, police dog program, which we would fund in a borderless system. Very successful. We'll get into those stats in a little, uh, throughout somewhere in the podcast conversation. But um, there's been the, uh, there, there, there is already a provincial prime reduction unit that is in place. And, 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 and I think in a lot, it's kind of a, a Northern Alberta, Northeastern Alberta and it's entirely, yeah, Eastern yeah. Alberta. Yeah. And, uh, one of the challenges is, is that they don't get to spend a lot of time in just in a focused in our area. It, they're, they're even broader scoped. Right. And, uh, this opportunity of, uh, the municipalities coming forth and saying, and, 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 and with the MD of Bonneville, with some of the share of their, uh, special, uh, funding that they've received to be able to have a specific one for the Lakeland, uh, area is going to be of, uh, of, uh, of, of real opportunity and it focused on the crime just in this area. Yes. So that Eastern Alberta District uh, Crime Reduction Unit uh, services 26 detachments in Northeast Alberta. Incredible. So if you can imagine um, the Cold Lake detachment doesn't see a whole lot of their time, but that whole unit has been awesome. When we need them, they come. Yeah, let's talk about uh, this Eastern District. Uh, you guys got a big territory. Can you just sort of explain the boundaries? Because it's a very impressive. The Cold Lake Detachment? I know this old eastern di- district, uh, the boundaries there that they talked about at the meeting last night, it's massive uh, territory. Yeah, so it's like, you know, I think the the line is at approximately uh, Slave Lake area, uh, all the way north up to like Fort Chippewan, uh, to the Saskatchewan border, and down to, uh, I believe it's like around the Highway 16 area, so all the... Vermilion uh, yeah, Provost. Yeah, yeah, I thought it's just a little bit Viking. south of, uh, of Lloyd there, in that area. Yes. Yeah, Lloyd is in the in Lloyd that zone is. yeah yeah that's so, huge territory yeah. that uh that they have to cover and and so having a dedicated crew right out of coal lake is going to just benefit them also y- it, we're super excited yeah pretty exciting so no that's good um so, so it, well what's uh you know cold lake out of the area as well cold lake has a it's a 24-hour service through your three watches that correct. you have um i think uh, who is the other 24-hour service in the region in the northeast region, Lloyd. Yeah. Lloyd. It'd just be Lloyd, right? So, um, in terms of just understanding for the for the listeners, is, is that not all detachments are twenty four um, seven response. The, the, the other ones that are not have different mechanisms of call out, of course. But uh, um, in terms of staff and actually uh, rubber hitting the road and boots on the ground, it's twenty four seven service. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Those other detachments that aren't twenty four seven, does the RCMP have members on call? Yes, yeah. on call. So they're uh, operational and ready to yeah. go. Uh, a lot of those uh, on call detachments have, you know, the members come home with their police cars, uniforms, and are sleeping with their cell phones beside right. their bed. Right. I, I did that for many years, and trust me, it gets old really quick when oh, those phone calls come in. <laughs> That's the benefit of the 24 hour coverage. And, and so just talk about like what got you interested in, uh, in fighting crime? Uh, 
I always say I never wanted to be a cop when I was growing up. Uh, the thought of that was probably pretty far from my mind. It wasn't until later on. Um, the funny thing is there was, an, there was a time in my life when I was looking at the, I think it was the, the Nate booklet, and I thought that being a denturist was a great opportunity wow. for me. Then I realized that I was going to be looking in old people's mouths, and, and uh, I, I kind of thought that maybe being a cop would be a little <laughs> bit cleaner and safer and nobody would bite me, but I was wrong about the biting part. I've been bit lots. Really? <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, anyway, so like, yeah, it was later on. I, I did some uh, graphic design work in uh, college. Uh, didn't ever pursue that. Uh, literally thought about the denturist thing until my uh, cousin wow. kind of slapped me. She's uh, she was uh, wor as working as a police psychologist in depot, and she says you should you you have the personality for this, Ryan. So I, I went down that road. Uh, I applied. Um, probably took me, geez, that probably took me closer to two years from the time I, I put paper to pen to uh, do an application on uh, doing the, uh, like the, the, I guess the mental health um, applications there or the process through that, the police aptitude tests, the physicals, um, the interviews. Uh, back then we didn't have to do a polygraph, but it's something that uh, they do now. Wow. Uh, and yeah, so it took me two years before I got a, a troop date. So that was back in 2001 when I got a call saying, drop everything you're doing and, and uh, for six months, you're going to go to depot. You won't be paid. This back is in Regina? Yeah. So back then when I went through, we, you didn't get paid at wow. all, which is uh, was hard for a lot of people that, uh, you know, especially if you're, you're, the RCMP was trying to attract mature people and mature people with uh, houses and kids, you can't just drop everything for six months and, and not get paid. There's costs involved too. For me, my, my only real cost was beer money. So it was pretty easy. I phoned mom once in a while and said, hey, can you put <laughs> some more money in my uh, account? And, and I was happy. Because they fed you and housed you. <laughs> yeah, Pepsi. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no, it didn't cost us So anything. beer would be a requirement. Yeah, essential. Yeah. So uh, from after the depot, then you basically get assigned to a, to a detachment. Yeah. It's a six months process. It's, uh, uh, when I look back on it now, it was a, uh, it was a uh, awesome opportunity uh, it was extremely uh, stressful when I was going through it. At the same time, I had a lot of fun and, and made some really good friends. Uh, when you see, if anybody who's ever seen uh, the, the pictures of Depot, when you have the drill sergeant yelling at you, it's, it was all true. Uh, back then, they were able to do a lot of uh, crazy stuff to us. So the first, you got assigned to Slave Lake. Yep. Wow. So in the beginning, uh, you have to do a ride along. Is that how it all works? Are you working with somebody when you first get up to a detachment? Yeah. When you first graduate, nothing really has changed there. So uh, you are on recruit field training. So you're a policeman, you have a gun, you have a badge, you have everything, you go out and do everything, but you work under a, a field coach uh, for six months. So the first couple of months is a direct supervision. Um, you have all the tools and education to do it. You just They just want someone standing right beside you when you're working for the first couple of months. And then you move on to the, the kind of the two, four month process, which is like close supervision. And after four months, you're, you're essentially one of the guys with someone kind of reviewing your files. After six months, if you're successful in the RFT program, you're, you're a general duty constable and you, you go. So you, but within a year and a half, you're on your own. Uh, yeah, you are, uh, I think there's certain stages that you kind of have to pass, but it, after two years, you are hundred uh, percent. And so when can you actually, you know, when jobs get posted in your business, uh, does everybody see where all of the postings can be or, or do they assign uh, you to leave Slave Lake to come to Boyle? 
How does it all work in your business? So your your first post, um, you you try to choose a, a division. So whether it be Alberta, Saskatchewan, or Manitoba, uh, and lately, right now, they're they're trying to send members back to their home provinces, uh, and then where in that province uh, you can you you submit a list. But between me and you, I don't know if they really look at that list. Sometimes uh, they put you where they need you, uh, and that's one of the things for amounting you sign on the piece of paper and say you'll be willing to go uh, anywhere in Canada. Uh, so your first post, you don't have a whole lot of, of choice. Uh, after that, you you definitely do have a say of where you want to go based on your career aspirations, uh, what, what you're good at, what you want to do, right? So, uh, you know what I mean? I You may not get exactly where you want to go sometimes, but you work toward it and, and it's definitely achievable. And in your business, can you stay in a community for a long time? Um, the first post, they, they want you uh, there for three to five years, depending on where you're going. Uh, and you, they'll want to get you out. I, I think it's healthy as for a member and a community to get a young constable out into their next post. Uh, the expectation, I guess, after that, depending on where the, where you're going, because if it's a, in a limited duration post, like someplace up north, uh, it'll be like it could be potentially two or three years. Uh, but in a in a in most of the Alberta provinces or Alberta town cities, uh, the expectation is about five years. And once you, uh, I, I guess, you move up the ranks, things change. Uh, and uh, most of the time, if you're doing a good job and, uh, you know, the community is accepting you to stay in there, there's no you know, other options. You can, you can stay longer. Right. Uh, in our housing market right now, it's difficult for members when they do get transferred. We we're getting a new member uh, from Airdrie right now who I believe his house was on the market for something like 15 to 18 months. In mm-hmm. Airdrie? Yeah. So he's, he's just yesterday... Uh, I got a message saying that he's sold his house. Conditions have come off and they're super excited to come here. He was wondering where he was going to park his boat. I'm like, just bring it. We'll find a place. <laughs> Absolutely. There's lots of spots. Yeah. Anything. So that that's, ex- I mean, that's great. I mean, that's one thing uh, uh, when when uh, councils uh, in Alberta ask for an RCMP member. Uh, these are the issues that the members have to face with because they're not compensated uh, for their house. So especially in Coal Lake Market, uh Depending on when you bought in the Coal Lake market, you could be underwater by a hundred grand or, or or more. More and uh, and houses aren't really moving a lot, so it's a real struggle. Because in your in your compensation package, um, you have to absorb the loss. I take it right. Uh, majority of that in in today's market, there is a little bit of uh, uh, room there that the 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 government can pad you, but it definitely doesn't. Uh, uh, right now, it's not. Yeah, like, I mean, the federal be. government, uh, I'm going to jump in politically yeah. here. I mean, the federal government really needs to look at this in, in these communities that have been just hit hard by the economy uh, for the members of the RCMP to move around. Uh, you know, they have to take a page out of some of the oil companies who uh, help, give a helping hand. Uh, the, the workers try to sell their houses, uh, but in the end, the, the oil companies right now anyways are helping the oil field workers if they want them to move around by picking up their house. And getting appraisals and that, but, you know, so we need to look at some kind of compensation package for for the members that uh, because we want them to buy houses, you know, we want them part of of the of the city of Coal Lake and, and buying houses. But the risk right now is is huge. I think market's going to turn around. I'm I'm optimistic that uh, better days are ahead of us here and soon, but it, it is a struggle. We've seen that. Uh, yeah. So it comes back down to, as you said, uh, Ryan, the uh, that sometimes the time it takes through uh, through depot, and uh, whenever the city is looking at adding a a, a member, 
um, on top of those timelines, sometimes if, uh, if uh, once a council, let's say, says let's go with a new member or let's add to the uh, add to the contingent, um, that goes to the federal government. That takes a, a you know few months to you know I'm going to say up to six to eight months to process at the federal level. Um, it's kind of called a more uh, they need a count across Canada for municipalities how many new members are going to be within the RCMP division across Canada right now. Kind of then that goes back to how many new members need to be trained through depot and everything else coming through the system. And then on top of that, once that happens, is then it's the uh, the hiring of that staff. So whether it's going to come from depot or it's going to come from uh, a transfer, it could take a long time. But before that actual rubber hit the road from council making the direction um, to ha- add a member to to our contingent or detachment takes, you know, it could take 12 months to two years before that actually rubber hits the road, right? For sure. Does it work that way too for the provincial complement? I mean, there, there are some positions funded by the province. So who determines from the provincial standpoint adding more members to the Kolek detachment? That's the the government of Alberta right. under the uh, Minister of uh, Justice. It's, it's it's that department that would make those decisions on allocations between like right now, um, the sixteen twelve of the members hitting the road. That's um, I know conversations have happened in the past with the ministry whether that ratio is appro- appropriate. You know, trying to leverage uh, more, but uh, at this time, uh, it that's the number that it sits. So they announced yeah. uh, you about three hundred new officers to be. Yeah, uh, last year. In Alberta, yeah, correct? last year they uh, they made as that announcement. Province. Yeah, as uh, the government of Alberta made that announcement. Um, the rollout of that hasn't been clear. Um, it's kind of it was posted in the media um, from our side, from administration side, and uh, um, no word on how or over how many years that's going to be done. Um, thus far, our intel from from the inside is is that uh, doesn't look like. We're getting the first kind of, you know, any of the rollout at this time. There's been no announcements for Cold Lake getting any additional uh, um, RCMP members on the provincial side of the contract. How hard is it, Ryan, in in, uh, getting uh, people to step forward to want to be an RCMP member? Are we getting a lot of applications at depot or is this a struggle with... uh with all of the police forces or across uh, Canada, you guys have to compete with anybody that wants to be in law enforcement. Uh, I mean, are we getting people coming forward that want to, I mean, I'm sure you guys got pretty strict uh, hiring practices that a person has to go through all of these things that you're talking about. And my God, a polygraph test, boy, that would be interesting to take. Um, but, uh, you know, like, are we, are you getting enough people? There absolutely, there, well, not absolutely. There are people who who want to wear that that red tunic and the high high brown boots, right? Uh, so we we are getting people like that, but it is super competitive. Competitive, and plus we're asking lots, right? We're asking you to sign on the line that says you're going to willing to go anywhere. Well, at least when you apply to a, a city police force, you know where you're going to end up. Well, this is the, absolutely, and that's really a key thing is that you know we want people to move out to these rural locations, and whether it's a thousand people, five hundred, or or our case, fifty. And that's a lot to ask for people uh, where they can go work for Edmonton or Calgary Police. Uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, I think Justin Trudeau listens to our podcast. So maybe, sure. uh, maybe I, I, I like be, how uh, Ryan started the conversation on uh, you, you coming to a big city. You know, I really like that because sometimes in that federal uh, envelope or semi-isolated. No, no, let's stick with the big city. Big Cold city. Lake's a big city. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we're, we punch above our weight. So let's uh, uh, talk about last night. I mean, uh, you did a, an incredible job uh, uh, representing the RCMP uh, with your fellow officers uh, and and just sort of bringing the statistics uh, home to bear to the residents of Coal Lake. And we've seen a, a big increase in uh, in some of the 
statistics. Maybe walk us through, uh, I know people can't see the slides, but uh, how would we compare uh, last year to this year and, and uh, maybe help uh, the podcaster listeners what uh, kind of increase we've seen? We uh, we spent a lot of time looking at our statistics so we could have uh, present the community with a, a good snapshot of what we're dealing with. Uh, it starts off for, with our calls for service. So last year in 2018, uh, we had about... Uh, little over 8,000 calls for service. And in 2019, that number was up about 1,000 to over 9,000 calls for service. So that like that 10% increase, that's a, that's a whole lot of calls for us uh, difference. And it's a substantial and difference. And you didn't see any been. new members during the whole period. No, so just no, more we calls per, per member. Yes. Uh, actually, I think we, we are down numbers from, I think, 2013 or 14. Uh, we used to have more members, but we lost some enhanced policing positions uh, that were never replaced back then when the... Uh, the casino mm -hmm. in Cold Lake was uh, legislated to have to have a members assigned. Yeah, I think there was two of them during that two, time. Two yeah. of them. Yeah. So. It's unfortunate that the casinos were allowed to, that was a casino revenue money or whatever, and then uh, the province backed off on that agreement. So I think we, you know, you're right, we lost a couple of positions. It, it's been, uh, you know, it was on the council's agenda for, for the 2020 to, to look at enhancing, you know, maybe getting those two back. Well, yeah, before the, it was a ruling through the government of Alberta through the AGLC program that uh, was a requirement under legislation for those two enhanced positions. Now, we knew that that was coming down when the when the, when the the regulations changed. Um, some discussions did happen with the city of Cold Lake on how do we do our staffing complement to retain these right now. But of course, in terms of some of the, uh, in terms of some of the cash flow, we weren't being able to make that happen. But, you know, as, as you know, as, as you mentioned, the, the 2020 budget and, and the, you know, right now the five-year business plan does allocate some or makes conversation around subject to, you know, council approval is um, reestablishing some of the um, RCMP positions. Because the issue comes down to is, is that um, what should be funded by the province, as you, as you mentioned at the open house, and what should be pro uh, funded by the municipality. And we want to be careful that the city of Cold Lake is not just funding from its taxpayers, all the RCMP members. We want to hold the, uh, the province accountable to having a, a set of contingent members as well. So, and then there's a lot of other conversations at that time. Council's priority was, if you recall, was, um, when the AJLC was making those decision changes was actually the police dog program. So we felt that that was an important strategic um, initiative of, uh, of City Cold Lake and Council made it a strategic priority of, uh, of the city to establish a police dog program in the city. And then that took a couple of years to bring online during the same time as this, uh, this staffing shift occurred, right? So um, we were heading down that path and we were successful in the police dog program. Anyways, just a little bit of background there. Any of the other stats, uh, Ryan, uh, we don't have to go, go through them all, but anything else that, you know, to you that stands out a big change, uh, say from uh, last year to this year? Absolutely. So the, the criminal code uh, offenses that we had in the municipality there uh, have gone up uh, 55%, which is, again, substantial. So we kind of divide those into kind of three categories. One's being persons crimes, and that's like an, an assault, a threat, um, stuff like that, sex assaults. Um, those numbers were up 25%. Uh, whereas our property crime, that would be all our break and enters, thefts, uh, mischiefs, those were up 74%. Uh, other criminal code, uh, we those are uh, like breaches, a breach of uh, conditions of release or curfew, uh, stuff like that. Um, fail to appear in court, those were up 39%. So across the board, when we divide it like that, it's a 55% increase, which is which is a lot for us, especially that property crime.
you know, let's talk about the frequent flyer program. And uh, we're not talking about getting on a plane, but this is, you have a lot of individuals, a lot of clients that uh, to like to, to ring up the service more than once uh, in, a, in a calendar year. And, and in Coal Lake, uh, you know, that you guys have told me like five people, I think it was five people have over 300 calls themselves and, and they would be sort of part of that, that big increase that you've seen. Absolutely. I think you're kind of talking about some of the, not specifically the property crime thing, but the individuals that we continue to get called uh, about, uh, especially in the downtown area, those people, we, we spend a lot of time and energy uh, working with them and responding to calls for service for them. Right. The uh, It was interesting uh, last night, uh, uh, not related to, to what I just talked about, but uh, in terms of drugs, uh, the the officer mentioned uh, last night that the you you're, you're you're feeling that the increase is related to, uh, to you know to the 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 the, the addictions of uh, of drugs in our community and, and this is happening everywhere in Alberta. But uh, um, you know, good conversation last night about uh, uh, you know that this is a major feeling anyways that uh, when you when you're arresting people we're seeing a lot of the charges a lot of the pictures last night we saw guns we saw money we saw drugs and you know drugs was was is very very prevalent out here absolutely um you know property crime which is up is what we consider like a peripheral crime uh to the real issue of, of drugs in our community um, i would go out say that most of that increase in property crime was as a result of people uh, with addictions that are looking to uh, earn some extra cash on the side um, I used to always say that we had a, a drug problem and, and two or three years ago we set out to uh, essentially fight a war on drugs within our community, the, the, the detachment area of Coal Lake. And uh, with the help of our GIS section, we, we, we blew it out of the park in, in what I consider. Um, there was uh, 70, I think, individuals were charged with uh, trafficking in drugs, possession of drugs and other criminal code offenses. Um, we had... Uh, I think out of that, there's 265 individual charges. And as a result, um, the convicted individuals individuals uh, were sentenced to over 41 years in jail. So that's everybody's uh, convictions, you know, in a row would be would be 41 years. Those are were crazy numbers. Uh, we're really proud of the work we did. But as you can see, it, it didn't really make a, a dent in, in our problem in our community. Uh, and it, we kind of realized that it's maybe not a, a, a drug problem as much as an addiction problem. Uh, where if you were a drug user, heavy drug user with an addiction and you wanted to uh, get high, you, the fact that the one of the drug dealers in town got pinched isn't going to really stop you from doing your business. Uh, so that the addictions problem is, is not only a, a police problem, I think it's a community problem. And we recognize this and we're working with our partners to, to see what we can do about it. Yeah, including the, well, Alberta Health Services, yep. uh, all the other uh, surrounding members. Now, uh, you mentioned that uh, the, uh, the GIS, uh, the we've had uh, unfunded a GIS division. I can't remember how many years now. It's been quite a few years. More as long as I've been here. Yeah, as long as you've been here, Kate. Okay. Um, and uh, when the city called, they uh, put that funding towards that that program. 
um, they were doing a lot of intel. And that added to the success of the kind of changing of focus for a while there because and, and going after the drugs um, was based on all the intel that was gathered by GIS and uh, those officers that are in there. And uh, that outcome, at least being successful in terms of catching people and and, and arrests being made and uh, and charges being laid, um, as, as Ryan says, is the other side, there's still an underlining another underlining issue to for the community to be to be looking at last night we had some stories of uh some of the crimes crimes that you guys have intercepted and uh you know the the public was was very concerned about the officer's safety on mm. on these calls like uh, the stories you talked about uh being um, chased by by the bad guys vehicles at some of the sites and you guys have a really tough job right now in determining when you're going to use force absolutely i i think fundamentally we're here to to protect and save lives right and and that decision to take a life is 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 foreign to members right they, they don't want to do that they, they just because they can doesn't mean they should kind of a thing um they're going to use it when they need to to protect lives them there's their own lives as well as anybody else's and, and that's a a really um hard line to cross. Uh, once you cross it, uh, you you are under um, you know, investigation, right? Literally, you, you, they, they're they going to, you know, it's, it's a process. It's a long process. We had a shooting here, uh, officer-involved shooting uh, this year already. And that member, even this morning, talked to me. He says, those people don't understand what it means to be under investigation for, for causing injury to somebody with your service uh, pistol. Uh, it's a, yeah, he has to provide statements. He has to get a lawyer. Uh, everything's all involved. Alberta Serious Investigation Response Team, ACERT, uh, was involved doing that investigation. It's not easy. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's, you don't see TV shows uh, showing the police officer saying, you know, showing, you know, the restraint and, and all of this stuff now in today's society. And so I don't, I think TV needs to catch up to all this, but I, would it makes, would it make good TV? That's the question. And, I, and I, I think that what the public was saying last night, and certainly as a politician, I think we have your back. And, uh, and I think that's what the community was saying last night. You know, it's, it's amazing when, um, when the police dog service came to Coal Lake and, and uh, caught the, uh, the, the the uh, individuals that like to do crime off guard with the, having a dog and you know the police dogs uh, service has been an amazing feature for our our uh, officers here in Coal Lake and for those communities that are looking at the police dog service uh, I really encourage you to to have I know we got a lot of counselors and mayors out there in Alberta that listen to us um, and and so this has been a just speak to the, the you know the police dog service and and what it's as you as the one of the leaders here at the station how has it helped your members. It's been a gift. It's been a gift to the to the to the RCMP, the members in the attachment, as well as the community. Uh, we are very successful. It's made a world of a difference by uh, to the way we actually do business. Constable Jakes and uh, Harp are uh, a phenomenal uh, pair that have you know led to the successful capture of. Uh, Geez, they were involved in 135 files in the Cool Lake area last year and uh, 134 captures uh, throughout the year, not only in the city of Cool Lake, but in the whole area. Um, that wouldn't have happened if we would have waited, had to wait for three, four hours for a dog to come from a different area because that's generally what we had to do before they were in our community. Uh, so a lot can happen in those three, four hours and what generally happens is they get away. 
in, in, yeah, your in, catch in, rate percentage went way up with that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, when yeah. someone runs into the bush, uh, it's not the safest thing in the world for uh, a member to do is to get into a foot chase through the bush with someone. That's why we set up containment and we call the dog. And when that happens really quickly, our success rate is, is through the roof. Yeah. For those that don't know, uh, you know, so St. Paul has a, a police dog service and Lloyd Minster. So for us, that's an hour and a half, uh, at least a minimum way if he's on duty. Yep. And uh, and then Lloyd Minster. So with having a, a, the service now in Coal Lake, it's sort of enhanced uh, that whole service for everybody up in the northeast Alberta. Yeah, when you look at the stats, as uh, Ryan said, 135 uh, in this in out of the Cold Lake detachment. Um, I'm, we're just looking at your stats here. 68 city of Cold Lake, 31 is uh, within the MD Bonneville rural area. 12 from uh, the uh, Cold Lake First Nations and 24 from Elizabeth Métis settlement. And that's the one slide that was from last night. But one thing that uh, really stood out is because um, when Cold Lake uh, looked at funding this program. It was going to be a borderless system to reduce uh, a crime initiative in the Northeast. And that's what we committed to as the uh, city of Cold Lake. And, uh, you know, beyond the 135, you know, these there's some big numbers here that are a whole entire Lakeland region, 333 files. Um, almost all in the Northeast, including areas of St. Paul, uh, urban and rural in St. Paul. Elk Point, uh, you know, Bonneville, uh, 38, uh, Laclabish, uh, 20, uh, 20 files, Boyle, 11 files, Kitscotty, two, Wayne, all the way down to Rainwright. Like these are, so we're, we're talking and it uh, looks like uh, 15 into uh, Saskatchewan on the east side of the border into Meadow Lake area. And uh, so that, the, do- <laughs> the dog's been busy. Yeah. So Ryan, I'm talking, a lot of people come up to me as a mayor and ask, why don't we get another dog? So. Um, what I understand um, from talking to you guys is that uh, you want to keep the dog sharp. So by having a second dog in Colic might not necessarily be the smart thing to do. That's correct. There's probably a, a lot of reasons why they wouldn't want that to happen, and that's definitely one of them. Uh, if the dog's not working, uh, they're not they're not getting better. Uh, they're yeah, they have to be on the move. They have to be working, and that's exactly what Harp and Jason do. They're always on the move. Yeah, you, you see him in his uh, vehicle. Uh, for for those listeners that want to support uh, uh, Harp, uh, if you want to help him out, uh, we're uh, can always drop a gift certificate at one of the local uh, pet stores. I said this last night because uh, he has he's very popular he might be running for mayor soon but but uh is the uh, people are really uh proud of what they're doing and and uh, really really happy with harp's work so if you ever want to drop off a donation uh, just uh, give him a gift bag at the rcmp station and uh and get him a toy or something you know or, um, but i uh, know it's great to have uh it's no we're not advocating for I that know, it's just, just for fun anyway yeah, so yeah, we are funding yeah. his dog food and everything so <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah he's got a he's got a strict diet he's yeah, got a fan right, club. he right. has a fan club uh the kids in school uh they all love him um but no it's you know one thing uh you know as a mayor I, I really must say that the RCMP members really get involved with the community in terms of the schools. Um, you know, you guys try your best to get out to the schools, but the little, the, the small kids, I mean, they love you guys. Oh, absolutely. That's, it's one of our uh, priorities for the year is youth involvement. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to do, to take time out, but uh, once we get in there, we, we always have a good time. We, we're involved in a, lots of different things. Uh, just in this last week, we had a nerf wars. Several of our members went out there. I think there's a picture in the media there. Uh, one thing that uh, we did earlier this week, Monday, is we actually went ice fishing with one of the schools there. Wow. Yeah. So they have an outdoor ed class. Uh, so I got a couple of the guys to come in on, on, of course, on their off time there. And, uh, 
yeah, they came in uniform and there was a couple of looks on the ice when we rolled out with the yellow stripes and drilled some holes in preparation for the kids coming. People were looking at us, but uh, I made sure to let them know what we were doing. We had and like then, a coffee cup, Tim Hortons and some donuts. I mean, people would say, eh, yeah, on a break. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, I'm pretty it's, sure everybody on the ice was making sure they catch and release if they didn't meet the regulations. Too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was a really, of course, Monday was like a, a beautiful day. Uh, so we were out there with the kids. We had about 15 kids out there. Wow. Uh, yeah, we, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fantastic day. The, the fishing wasn't were you on terribly good. No, we were on Little Bear. Oh, Little Bear. Lake. Yes. Oh, wow. We went, uh, but we met him out there at about noon. Oh. Uh, so like because of the weather, the, let's say the kids were doing some fishing, but there was a lot of playing in the snow Absolutely. that went on. Yeah. The oxygen is running low on that lake. So uh, hopefully the fish were right, you were fishing right at the surface, but, uh, no, it's, it's great to, you know, you guys had, uh, we get involved in charity hockey and, and very, you know, we have a couple of golf terms. Uh, let's talk about, uh, last night, uh, uh, some interesting uh, information was um, victim services. So when a person is, you know, a victim of a crime, um, maybe just talk about uh, what victim services does, because there was some people last night that weren't unaware of uh, what that is. Yes, victim services is uh, very involved in the community of Cold Lake, uh, and I will stick my neck out and say that uh, Dave Zimmerman and his crew have probably one of the best-run uh, victim services units in the province. Very successful. They deal with, uh, I think last year, last couple of years, they had 1,100 files, so that's 1,100 people that they serviced, uh, and this year we're, we're going to beat that. Uh, so they're, gonna, they're, they're definitely very active in their important role in our detachment. So if someone's a, a victim, of crime, um, what the members do is they, they create a referral with consent uh, to the our, the victim services unit, uh, and our victim services will will contact them. They're they're not counselors, so they don't provide that service, but they are um, uh, will will are able to direct a person if they need services like that, or they can refer them to uh, the Doctor Market Savage, uh, Dragonfly, uh, any of those services in our communities. Uh, they also follow uh, their files the victim's files through court and they're there for court support as well. So there every docket day, there's a victim services uh, person there, representative. Uh, there's also uh, like our IBOS workers, which are out on our uh, indigenous communities and, and being there and involved in the communities too as well. So, awesome group of individuals they have a, an important volunteers role. with them too uh, volunteers as well so we have three paid employees uh david zimmerman who's the coordinator two paid employees as well as uh, a series of volunteers now yeah. they're they're partially provincially funded correct and the rest of it comes from um fundraising opportunities yes. as well and donations from the community and i uh, just wanted to raise because I, I don't know if it's been starting to advertise yet or starting to move forward as uh, the rcmp hosts a major regimental ball yes and in and in and in that is a major fundraiser that rcmp hosts to help uh provide funding september to the victim 26. services september yeah. 26 we're yeah. all getting excited the there's a lot of work that goes into yeah. those things yeah uh, and we're uh, super excited about uh, about hosting it again this year i think it's been geez about four or five years yeah. since we've had it i'm not yeah. sure exactly when but what you know they're just unsung heroes and then and people really don't know that they exist and they quietly go around doing their business and uh they provide such uh, great support and and uh last night there was a comment from from the floor about about a social worker so is that common uh, that the RCMP would have 
that role in the detachment? It's not common, but uh, I I love the idea. Um, we're, we need to be start thinking outside of the box and, and addressing, like we said, the issues. Um, we we tried to get, uh, it just didn't work out. It hasn't worked out until this point, but we wanted to get an ADAC worker in, into uh, the detachment. Uh, so, you know, they would have an opportunity to talk to some of the people that are, are in incarcerated, I guess you could call them, and give them an opportunity if they wish to talk to a worker right then and there, because making an appointment sometimes is difficult to do. Uh, when you're in a position, sometimes you're, you're, you're low, which would be a great opportunity for any kind of social worker or addictions worker or anything like that. So we're, we're game. We want to participate. We want it to work. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, we reach out and, and make something happen with yeah, that lady. Great suggestion out the floor. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, uh, you, you know, there, everybody wants to help everybody, and uh, we have a lot of professionals in, inside Coal Lake and outside of Coal Lake, and just a matter of uh, connecting the dots and uh, providing that service to those that want to want to have help. I mean, we've got the new clinic up in uh, Coal Lake North, uh, Glacier Medical, that have come into town to help people with addictions for this purpose, and uh, and and I, I understand they're fairly busy. Unfortunately, I mean, you don't want addictions mm-hmm. in your community but it's a fact of life right now for both drugs and alcohol but certainly on the drug side that's their specialty that both doctors uh, operating there that's their specialty besides seeing uh, uh, patients uh, they're going to provide that uh, need for our community so that's fantastic um, last night uh, you gave some words from the crown prosecutor uh, we couldn't get the crown prosecutor uh, he was unavailable to come out but uh, you know interesting uh, information uh, they too have a big huge coverage area uh, besides the Coal Lake uh, Courthouse, uh, man, their their area is massive. Yeah, it's huge. It's uh, not only Cold Lake, St. Paul, Elk Point, Lac La Biche, Bonneville, Vermilion, I think even in Lloyd Minister and Wainwright. Uh, so yeah, all those little towns in between as well, uh, they service uh, and they have a huge file load right now. Um, they're struggling with resources just like everybody else, um, especially them right now. I think there's positions, there's six positions in the St. Paul Crown's office and they have three right now, two or three, but they're they're carrying the, the same workload for all those communities, which which is uh, substantially more than what a uh, Crown Prosecutor in, in Edmonton uh, is doing. Yeah, one of, one of the issues, of course, with, with vacancies throughout Alberta, uh, you know, prosecutors want to be, most of them probably want to be in the big cities. And, of course, for for the uh, prosecutors to come out to, to rural Alberta, St. Paul, to coverage this big area, the government's going to have to look at a, a rural subsidy program. We used to have it many years ago for people living up in Fort McMurray, but... But certainly, uh, this is something that in order to entice people to want to come out in rural Alberta, let's face it, you're going to probably have to give them more money. And, and, and so hopefully it's a big shout out, but hopefully we can see the province maybe look at a modifier, salary modifier, so that people want to stay in St. Paul. Or we'll, we'll take them in Coal Lake, but, uh, you know, we'd love to have a, a prosecutor in Coal Lake. But, you know, we ha- it's the whole cycle from, from your arresting them. Uh, to getting them convicted, uh, you, you you spoke last night about the uh, level of uh, I don't know you want to call it information or, or that you have to have on that criminal in order for the crown prosecutor to now take it to in front of the judge. Yeah, for sure. Like the threshold for us to charge somebody is is you have to have reasonable grounds. That means like I have to believe that you were responsible for an offense. Like I gave the example last night is someone standing with a stick beside a broken window. Like, yeah, I believe that person has committed the offense, but uh, I can charge them. Uh, but when it comes to court, the Crown Prosecutor's role, their job is to make sure or to see what they can do about 
proving that person did it beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's what uh, their their threshold is. And sometimes it's not there. Uh, we, the police, can charge them with the Crown support. But when the information is laid out on the table, uh, the Crown recognizes that um, we're not able to secure a conviction, no reasonably likelihood of conviction, and they'll either stay or withdraw the charges. And are we seeing, or maybe you don't know this, but are, is there a shortage of judges to prosecute when we, we have crown prosecutors of shortages? Do we have shortages of judges or is that still the, the judge? I'm not, I can't comment too much on that, but I, I believe that the, the, the judge schedule is always a struggle too as well. Yeah, that, to I think that dates. was a, uh, yeah, it's the court times member. Uh, we uh, connected with the uh, minister of uh, justice to extend court times in the Cold Lake uh, um, courthouse here. And I think we got an additional day, I think. A is day what it was. every I two months. A day I, every uh, yeah. month or two. Yeah. And that's about the limits that we got um, for expanded. But the issue comes down to is, uh, you know, when you have a bunch of vacancies not filled in the uh, in the in the Crown Prosecutor's office, I think it's six, two or six, right? Is what, is, it's two or three. I two, think two we've got another one there. Okay. And they're using, they're getting people from outside the jurisdiction to come out in the system. Yeah. Well. So, uh, you know, the the struggles with is, is these, these, these files. So, um, you know, it's compounding effects in the, in the, in the whole judicial system, right? So, um, if we don't have enough crown prosecutors and then we don't have enough court times, and then there's also the chart or the actual fines or whatever the sentences are, um, you know, it's a compounding effect. You heard last night that you had residents not, not, not impressed with the, you know, the final result, people, the catch and release optics and stuff like the, those comments that are coming out is not the RCMP level, that's the whole judicial system now that we need to start lobbying the, the, the Minister of Justice as a, as a municipality and, and residents of the community has to lobby their, their, their elected officials on, on the judicial system itself, right? Um, but that raises a good point too, because I, I do understand that, uh, you know, with vacancies in the, uh, in the Northeast is, is creating its own set of challenges, but also the province, uh, you know, in, I think it was November, December, they announced 80 new crown prosecutors positions. Um, we haven't heard whether they're going to be allocated to the, uh, you know, there's no news on whether anything's coming to the Northeast, but already they're going to be uh, vacant positions already, right? That's what I was saying. I think, I think it's 50 <laughs> positions, but that doesn't make yeah. a difference yeah. when we can't fill the, the six positions that we, that we have, have here. that's yeah. right so you know that is a challenge so there's a, some underlining challenges that have to be uh, addressed and i think uh, your worship i think two to three weeks ago we did send a letter to the the minister of justice uh, um, requesting for a meeting um to discuss uh, um these matters in terms of the uh, the whole process in the northeast here to help with beyond the uh, the, the the boots on the ground so to speak um on helping with uh, enhancing some of the issues and staffing levels through the judicial system and court times in in, in Cold Lake. Let's get into uh, some of the issues that in, reading from the meeting last night was, uh, in, you know, ideas about uh, combating the crime, especially downtown core for the business community. Um, do you think, you know, one of the comments maybe looked at is eyes in the skies or eyes on lampposts, uh, streetlights, uh, you know, as the one uh, individual there uh, mentioned last night uh, on all the different exit points, uh, the city of Colake is to have cameras up. Uh, thoughts on uh, cameras and, and does it really, is it going to help in the investigations? 
Absolutely. When we go to uh, a scene, one of the first things we always recognize is that people have cameras now almost everywhere. Uh, so especially in the residential areas, we look and, and people have household security systems with cameras. Uh, fantastic for, for providing pictures of people or vehicles responsible for crimes. Uh, sometimes, you know, due to quality and whatnot, that you're, you're just able to see what they were driving. Maybe not a license plate, but it's definitely you get at times from them. Uh, you get all, can gather all kinds of information. The idea of having it uh, in a downtown area or at an intersection is is uh, uh, I don't have any stats on how it would specifically uh, help, but I, I know that it also acts as a deterrent too. If you have cameras in a downtown area, um, you know what I mean, and it's well known and well visible, well, people aren't going to commit crimes there. Right? What about lighting? I mean, we talked a little bit about last night about lighting. Uh, in your opinion on on some of the areas of Coal Lake, do you think uh, more lighting is going to help? It's uh, crime prevention through environmental design and uh, a well-lit area is like not less likely going to be targeted mm -hmm. as by by criminals and it, it's that crime septet is what they call it it's uh the md of bonneville is, has been doing all kinds of uh, great work with it they'll come and do uh assessments on on residents houses and their yards uh and i just found out last night that they'll come in the middle of the night geez i hope there's no dogs around uh but yeah absolutely it's it's the idea of like uh, when you walk into uh, a convenience store you know the, the kids used to hang out in the front of the doors well you you turn the radio station just off a little bit or, or some music that they don't like and the kids go away. Funny that. Uh, so it's crime prevention through environmental design. And that's one of the key uh, um, ideas about that is it lighting. The, uh, talking about new members. So um, new members, uh, council funding new members or uh, hiring a security firm. So uh, what, uh, is there many municipalities that you're aware of that hire like a private a security firm that would have eyes on the streets and then would phone in to the RCMP for the call? Like, how would that work? Um, the only one I'm aware of is St. Paul that has that, uh, and I have no information on how it works. Uh, I do recognize that uh, that would be their role is just the eyes and ears and, and the phoning of the police, um, whether that's a security firm or, or uh, a program like Citizens on Patrol. Mm -hmm. uh, those eyes help. It's, it's way better to have, you know, a dozen eyes rather than two. Yeah, like I don't know where we were, but we learned that uh, out at Skeleton Lake, uh, they have their own residents that have patrol, and they patrol around everybody's home on the lake, just rotating through. And and I've uh, somebody has been was out ice fishing, got checked by these guys, and saying, "What are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to get on the lake, right?" But uh, so something like that inside the Coal Lake, we, City Coal Lake, we don't have that yet. But uh, certainly there was a person last night that said, "Hey, let's, why don't we do this?" A citizen on Patrol program. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they would yeah. just work with you. Um, how does it work? They would have radios? Uh, is that kind of where it would end up That's going? how it used to be. Um, so I've been on, involved in Citizens on Patrol almost from day one. I think when I arrived in Slave Lake, that's one of the the, the positions I, I got was the liaison for Citizens on Patrol. Met some awesome people there and that's how it worked there um, with the radios. Uh, this day and age with the cell phones, um, I believe when they, a couple years ago when they started to roll it out in, in the city of Cold Lake, um, we had a whole pile of interest. I got a file on my desk right now uh, with, I believe, over 100 names of people that uh, were interested and went through uh, the screening process, which is a criminal record check pretty much, uh, and that were signed up to, to participate. Uh, we did a little bit of training, uh, and um, the idea was is that they would log in, uh, register with the detachment through the you know through a cell phone that we have at the with the watch clerks, and uh, they would go out and they would be the eyes and the ears, and, and they'd have training on how to take notes, what to make note of 
move and what to do if you do see something. Uh, and it's been very successful across the province. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know what happened here. Uh, I know we did the training uh, and we just never, never had Yeah, a group of residents were uh, really focused on it for a while. I think they had a whole bunch of applications with you. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And it kind of just, I think, Maybe the momentum kind of fell off there a little bit. Yeah, but but not sure. We're yeah. at the detachment. They were we're 100 behind the program, and uh, I'm excited that people were very interested about uh, sparking that back up. Yeah, so we'll it's an alternative approach to to you know you know the community getting together to try to be more vigilant and help out. Right. It's, yeah. Yeah. We want crime to go elsewhere. They want to crime. Yeah. I mean, really, we're that's kind of how it rolls. But um, last night uh, there was some conversation about. Well, if they come on my property or my house, I'm I'm waiting for them. Yeah, and that's a, yeah, that, it's a topic that always comes up yeah. at, at every one of these crime forums, and, and uh, we're ready for it. There's no easy answer, but my message is always the same: is um, you have to look out for yourself and your family and your safety before anything else. Um, if someone uh, is, you know, breaks into your yard or your house or not in your house, but in your yard and is stealing, uh, you know, a jerry can of gas, uh, the first thing we want you to do is to stop and, and uh, call the police. The police are pre prepared to deal with that situation uh, better than anything. And you recognize that um, just because you have, uh, I guess, the legal uh, grounds to support uh, you for using as much force as necessary to protect your property. Sometimes the, the number one goal would be to protect your family first. Yeah. So people were reaching out and, and I thought you did a great job last night answering that. And, you know, people are just, very, the, the frustration out there right now is rampant. And last night you talked about this uh, once a week, you do like America's most wanted type of thing. Yeah. Can you just sort of explain what you do there? Yes. Uh, so the, the power of the media is, is unbelievable, especially in our community, our community, sorry. Um, so what we, a campaign that was across the province was uh, wanted Wednesdays. Uh, so what we do is someone who was uh, charged with an offense who was uh, on warrant, uh, we'd release information and a photo of somebody and, and details of what they're wanted for. And uh, we were extremely successful of, of capturing people sometimes within hours the phone's ringing off the hook or people uh, on social media saying just go to this address so it was really good <laughs> it was it was super fun um and and w just like anything else we, we it takes time to do so we, we do it when we can uh and sometimes it's not every wednesday but uh, we, we still like the power of of our community and and what they can do to help yeah social us. media is very powerful it's another tool that we can use so it's interesting. I mean, uh, so right now, uh, I mean, council's reviewing everything in the month of March, uh, where we're going to go. And uh, it's great that the MD Barney was going to step forward and, and do a helping hand with this, um, you know, three new officers in, a, in an admin position. Correct. And uh, and then it'll be just uh, uh, the CEO sitting with you guys and trying to determine, you know, what else we can do to enhance, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, couple constables or, or what, but, you know, council's got a lot of big decisions. Yeah, I think council in terms of its discussion is framed in, uh, you know, in terms of the business plan, you know, there is conversations around, uh, more officers, uh, and, uh, and support to the RCMP. Uh, you know, you had lots of conversations surrounding the value of an analyst, a crime analyst. Uh, you guys provide, you know, lots of great, uh, um, comments to the MD of Bonneville's crime analyst that they have being able to project where hot spots are and, and, and being able to try to be proactive of where things could be happening based on trends that are happening in the, uh, in, in the crime world. 
Um, and of course, in terms of the business plan, that was included in our conversations surrounding crime analysts in, in Cold Lake. Um, you know, there's other conversations surrounding community peace officer program that we, uh, the city of Cold Lake does have. Um, um, changing on how we've, we've already started to change, you know, how we schedule the uh, uh, community peace officers. Um, now there's uh, could be flexibility around how we're going to be, you know, dispatching and and and, and actually having them out in the streets so that we can change that perhaps um, to help with uh, some of the issues as well or some of the asks. Um, you know, we're, you know, there's different levels of way to deal with things because there's some things cost a lot more money and some some things that cost no money, such as volunteerism, citizens on patrol, to anything in between. And it's about trying to find where's the best value for the dollar is, and and we're going to be working with the RCMP, and then council is going to be deliberating. You know, in your capital budget, you've got. Uh, um, cameras uh, program to be start to be implemented at strategic locations throughout the community. Um, and then, yes, the uh, um, crime reduction by uh, environmental design conversations are also in your capital budget, the new, some of the new lighting programs. Um, you know, last night uh, you had residents just raving about your new lights that are up on Brady Heights Hill on 50th Avenue and uh, and over by English Bay Road, how bright those new lights are and the rest of the city's dim. Let's get it all, uh, you know, there's a lot of that conversation what I heard and uh, let's light up the city, um, get some eyes out there. So, uh, and then the security uh, firm conversation. So council is going to have that conversation, at, uh, you know, your upcoming budgets and your co corporate priorities committee meeting on deliberating, you know, what you want to do and then how much money you have to being able to do it. And then also working with our existing staff and uh, our CMP to, you know, what is their thoughts in terms of their feedback in terms of where some money being spent. Wow. That's a good wrap up, eh, Ryan? Yep. Yeah. He did a good job. <laughs> Thank I say you. over the city and, uh, and, you know, I want to, uh, first of all, um, want to thank yourself and, and, uh, and Scott, who, Scott uh, couldn't make it out, uh, the man in charge of the detachment here. But, you know, on behalf of everybody in Coal Lake, uh, you know, and speaking uh, with the Reeve, I mean, we appreciate uh, all, all the work that you guys do. you got a tough job in today's society. Um, I mean, it was, in, it was great to hear some of the level of what you guys got to, on a crime, when a crime's taking place, what uh, responsibility you have. I mean, it's not like the Telly Savalas days of uh, TV back there, or Serpico or whatever, but I mean, your your job is, that's for the old people, that those were great TV shows. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, 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 you're in a tough spot in today's world. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I think the, the big message, I think last night was the community wants to work with the members, wants to work with council and uh, try to, try to come up uh, with, uh, with, uh, a solution for the crimes in our area. Yep. We're very lucky in our detachment that we have um, the support of our communities, not only the city, phenomenal support from you guys, but the MD and the Reeve, uh, chief and council on Cold Lake First Nations, yep. as well as Elizabeth. Um, it, it's very easy to walk into a meeting with all of those communities and and have the support that we do. Everybody's on the on the same side and, and that it's phenomenal. It's easy to do business when you have the support from our leaders. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's uh, something that we're all got to work together on, on trying to deal with it. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but we, we need the province and the feds to also be there as partners. I mean, there's, you can do a lot of talking, but uh, unless you see some actual money allocated to the to the, this part of the world, uh, the, you know, got to get out underneath the, the puzzle factory in Edmonton and Calgary and, and put money up to... Uh, you know, an area that uh, contributes a heck of a lot of money to the to the province and to the feds. Uh, so hopefully, you I know, I think you raise a good point, right? It's uh, a lot of this you can see here is there's a lot of funding and a lot of momentum that's happening, uh, you know, on the grounds of the municipality. Uh, the province and the federal government um, have a role to play in all of this. As you said last night at the open house, 
Um, and those people are, you know, we need to lobby and uh, I, I don't think residents should be afraid to uh, connect with their MLA. You know, our mm-hmm. MLA, Dave Hansen yep. is our MLA Here representative. Just keep lobbying. Yeah, and, uh, and contact them either by letter or phone call or whatever to, you know, express the same concerns that were at the public open house last night. And, you know, even in the summarizing in this, uh, in this podcast is, uh, is, uh, it, it helps mayor and council, the city of Cold Lake, cause you guys are lobbying as well. But, uh, when you, when you look at it, you're one voice, um, the mayor speaking, um, when you have more residents and everybody kind of saying, you know, here's some of the concerns and here's some of the ways that we can fix it, that we're proposing some solutions. Um, you know, it helps having more people at the table, helping, uh, behind, uh, mayor and council on sending that message. Any closing thoughts, Ryan? No, I'm, I'm happy that we were able to participate in this. I think it was an excellent opportunity for us and to, to get some of our concerns out there too. So thank you for having us. Oh, we're glad. And for those listeners out there, we know that uh, some uh, you know people listen that Ryan is a heck of a fisherman and he's got uh, he's willing to take and show people how to fish in, in the in the in the Lakeland area. But uh, no, we just had fun. Appreciate uh, uh, your uh, openness last night and uh, of course on the podcast. So hope everybody enjoyed our. Our little talk about our CMP and and and, and the whole goings ons, but uh, you know, let let us know how he enjoyed the podcast, and uh, and we'll show uh, Ryan any of the comments if you want to give him some intel on uh, on uh, what's going on in our area. We appreciate uh, any feedback, and so I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm.